God speaks to people. This, um, this Friday, God spoke to me, and I'll never, I was amazing. It was, it was crazy. Um, I was, um, we, had a, we had a man in our church that just passed away. He's uh, been in our, our church a long time, and Norman Huffstetler died, and I had gone to the funeral home on Friday to meet with his family, and, and uh, as I was leaving, I was driving down the street to my house, and, and, um, and I looked up, and I, I'd see this house with, with, there were three people in the garage. It was 10.30 or so in the morning, and, and uh, they were just outside getting some fresh air, I guess, and, and so it just caught my eye, and I passed them, and I felt like the Lord said, you need to go back, and you need to pray for them. One, one of those, I could tell one was in a wheelchair. I, did, I couldn't tell the details. I was just driving. And, and I, I, um, I first thought, when I felt that in my heart, I, I thought, ah, maybe was, I had too much coffee this morning or, or something. But I, I said, all right, Lord, I'll, I'll turn around. And so I, I turned around, and, and I, I got out of my car, my truck, and, and I, I walk up. And it was a little awkward, you know. It's, it's a little awkward. Some guy shows up at your door. You're sitting out of your house. And and I introduced myself, and they were all Hispanic, and, and I, I, they spoke Spanish, I could tell, and I, I like practicing my Spanish. I speak Spanish, and I, I know enough to get myself in a lot of trouble, but uh, I, I, I started speaking to them in Spanish, and, but they, English was, they, they understood English well, so I, I said to them, I said, you know, um, God kind of put on my heart to come and pray for you. Can I, can I pray for you? I could tell when I got up there that this young lady was battling cancer. Just from, I, I could just tell. And, um, and, and her mom and dad were there, and, and her little four-year-old son was running around. Cute little boy. And I said, can I, can I pray for you? And they said, yeah, yeah, you can. And uh, so I prayed over her, and Angelica was her name. And, and uh, when I finished praying for her, I looked up, and she's just bawling. And, um, and so I just said, Angelica, do you know if you'd go to heaven? And, and she looked at me and said, no, no, I don't. I don't. And, and so I shared the gospel with her. I said, well, can I, can I just tell you how you can go to heaven? And, and shared the gospel and said, are you ready to trust Christ right now? And she said, yes, I am. And right there in her garage on Birch Street, prays to receive Christ right there. And and I left going, Lord, how cool you spoke. And, and, and I'll be honest with you, a lot of times I share the gospel a lot in my life. And, and a lot of times people are like, no thanks, yeah, whatever, you know, see you. And uh, so, but it was, it was just cool to, to, to recognize that God speaks. God is speaking. God speaks to people. And what's funny to me is when you, you tell somebody that a lot of people are real skeptical. Like, yeah, whatever, you know, really? God spoke to you? Yeah, whatever, man. But, but as a believer, as a follower of Christ, hearing God speak is one of the most normal things about our day, about our life. And that's, it's, it's, it's absolutely normal for God to speak. And, and that's why I love the Psalms. I love, I love this study in the book of Psalms because Psalms is so real. You know, you read the Psalms and it's, and it's people that are, there, there are some Psalms that, are, that are, are praising how big God is. Some Psalms are, are, are going, God, do you even hear me? 
God, are you even around? And, 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 and are, are you real? Are your promises true? And isn't that, isn't that refreshing? You know, sometimes we have this idea, we got to come to church and we get every, all dressed up and we got we to gotta all our stuff together. And guess what? Nobody in this room has our stuff together, including me. You know, we're in the process of watching God put us together. And, and so that's, I, I love the Psalms because it's real. It confronts us with real life and real problems and real challenges. And, and when I read the book of Psalms, I find myself there. Now, we're in Psalm 19 today, and, I, and I, I hope that you caught how God is speaking. Because your Bible, uh, I want you to open there. Stay, stay open if your Bible's there, because uh, we're going we're gonna to be walking through this psalm. It's, if you're going to divide this psalm up, my Bible divides it up into three sections, and, and I think it makes sense to do that. Verses 1 through 6 um, David wrote this psalm, and, and he is pointing to the natural ways God has spoken to mankind. That, that naturally, we can look at creation, and, and, and God has spoken. God speaks through his creation. And, and he speaks clearly. He speaks, speaks loudly. He, it's obvious that God is at work, that God is the creator. And, and we call this general revelation, that in, in general ways, God has revealed himself to mankind. And, and we see this, verses 1 through 6 points to that out. Verses 7 through 11 points to a special revelation. And, and this is God, God got specific. God, like, like Friday for me, was God getting specific, go stop and pray for that person. You know, and, and God will speak specifically to us. I mean, I've heard of, you know, last, last Sunday night, Andy Cole spoke, and, and, and I've heard Andy talk about how in, in the Middle East, people have dreams, and, and uh, one of our kids is on a mission trip with Walk, Walker Moore, and they told me about a, a witch doctor that had a dream and said, I got to come and follow Jesus, and was just saved uh, with one of our kids. They're in, uh, is she in Peru? The Gambia. And, uh, and, and so it's so cool to see how God speaks. And, he, and we're seeing it now. But God has spoken through his word. And, and this is why we are so um, intentional about coming and opening God's word and looking at it. Verses 7 through 11 point to the special revelation, specifically the Bible, how God has spoken. Verses 12 through 14 in this psalm, it kind of, it's the response. Well, what is our response to God speaking in general ways? God speaking in specific ways, how do we respond? Well, David laid it out, how we should respond. So now let's dig into the psalm. Point number one, I want us to see today, if you're following on your notes, I hope you will, that, that God calls us to a relationship through creation. And I want us to see this. Look at verse 1. Uh, the heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims his handiwork. Look at this. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. I love this, that, that God is calling us to a relationship with him. It was cool to sit down with Angelica and, and talk to her about God wants you to know him, Angelica. It's not just knowing about God. God calls us to a relationship. And, and I love it how David articulates. David was a shepherd, and, and he was always out in the field. He was always out at night you know, watching the sheep. And I can imagine David sitting down, watching sheep, looking up in the sky and going, wow, 
This is big. This is cool. And he writes that day to day pours out speech. Night to night reveals knowledge. Look at this, verse 3. There is no speech, nor are there words. He's saying, look, the, 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 the creation is not saying anything. You don't see words or hear words, but uh, his voice is not heard. But look at verse 4. He says, but instead, even though there's no speech, their voice goes through all the earth, their words to the end of the world. I mean, it's, even though you can't audibly hear it, David's saying he's speaking. God is speaking through what he has made. I love what he says. This is kind of fun. He says, in them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving its chamber, his chamber. I mean, he's like, he describes the sun. When it comes out, it's, it's, like, it's like a bridegroom leaving his chamber. Now, if you're a kid today, you can ask your parents about that. But, but a bridegroom leaving his chamber is pretty excited, okay? He's, he's glad to, he, he, that was a good time, you know? And, and, it's, and he says, man, he's the sun, when it goes across the sky, it's like a bridegroom leaving his chamber. Look at this. He says, and like an athlete or a strong man runs its course with joy. He, you know, we've all seen sprinters. I love the Olympics. I love watching the guys that are fast because I've never been fast. I've wanted to be fast. I was never fast. I had too big of a trailer on my backside to be fast. And, and, but, but he says, like an athlete that is running, that's, that's what the sun is doing. Like a strong athlete that you look at and go, wow, look at that. And he says, it's rising from the end of the heavens, and it's circuit to the end of them, and there's nothing hidden from, his, from its heat. He looks at the sun, he looks at creation, and goes, wow, God is real. God is speaking to the world. And we see right here, God is continually revealing himself in general ways. And, and this is general revelation. God is, God is at work. God is speaking. Like Romans 1.20 says this, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. And the bottom line is, no man, no person will stand before God and say, God, you didn't speak to me. God, you didn't show yourself to me. God... Uh, I've got an excuse. No, there's no one that will have an excuse. And when we die and stand before God, and if you live your life, like, like if you were here today and you're saying, you know, I'm not ready to follow Christ. I'm not really ready to be obedient to him and to trust him. I'll tell you what, there will be a day that your knee will bow. I pray that it's on this side of eternity. I looked at Angelica and said, Angelica, you need Jesus. You need him in your life. You know, Angelica is like, like all of us. I mean, I mean, I looked at her, and, and it's obvious that her days are numbered. You know, she's just like you and me. All of our days are numbered, right? We just don't, we just don't, uh, we forget about it, right? But, but see, David is saying, look, God is speaking. God has revealed himself in these in these incredible ways. And, 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 and we can look at creation. We, look at, we can look at what he was, has made and we think, wow, God, you're real. I mean, I remember my first church was in western Oklahoma. And I loved it. I mean, it was, I, was like a, I was a city boy. I mean, I grew up, I, I felt more comfortable on asphalt than I did on dirt. And, uh, 
And, and I go to Thomas, Oklahoma, and I, had no, I didn't know the difference between a tractor and a combine when I went there. And boy, I got me an education. Uh, I went to the Putnam Calf Fry Festival. I, went, I, I cut a calf. If you don't know what that is, then ask somebody. Um, I, I, uh, I, I plowed wheat, and I, I did all kinds of stuff. One time they said, uh, we need somebody to drive a tractor from Putnam to Dill City. And look that up on the map, okay? Putnam, Oklahoma to Dill City, not Dell City, Dill City. And uh, I was like, I'll do it. And they were like, you, you go right ahead. It was a tractor with no cab on it. I mean, we're not talking air conditioning cab tractor. It was like tractor. So I had, a, I had a, a Gilligan's Island hat and green Converse high tops, and that took me four hours to get there. It was awesome. And I loved every second of it. And, um, but I remember one time driving from Thomas to Weatherford, going back to school. It was night. It was a really clear night. And I was halfway between Weatherford and Thomas out in the middle of the country. And I just kept glancing up at the sky, and I stopped, pulled over to the side of the road, got out of my car, and sat on my hood for like 30 minutes and just looked up into the sky. I felt like in that moment, I could see every star that God made. And I've never felt so small. And then it dawned on me, God, you, you're speaking through this, but you also speak to me. Wow. See, when we see creation, it moves us to say, God, we got to follow you. We look to you. You are speaking. You are aware. You, you are involved in our lives. We acknowledge you today. You know, Rob Lewis just got back from this. Uh, he's been at Biola University. At uh, He's preaching today at Calvary. And he's been at Biola studying a uh, getting a master's in apologetics. And, and uh, he talked about, we were talking about this uh, NASA astronomer that, that has recently stated that uh, all, all of our research points back that creation started in an instant. And see, that's true. They figured it out. They're starting to, um, their education is paying off because they're realizing Wow, there was a bang when God said, let there be light. And God created the world. Folks, creation speaks. Pre creation is proclaiming God is alive and involved and real. And David articulates this in incredible ways. God has revealed himself in general ways. But another thing I want you to see that God continually reveals himself in specific ways. That there are specific things that God will do and say. That it's normal for God to speak to us. It's normal for us to hear his voice. It's normal for us to interact with the creator. And that's why we can't buy into our, our modern society that says, oh, we're so smart, we figured out, uh, we figured out everything. We figured out how the universe works. No, God is speaking. We need to listen. And what's interesting is, is point number two today, God reveals his plan through his word. And if you want to know God's plan for your life, he reveals it in his word. What's interesting about David, he goes in verses 7 through 11, this, uh, 
this incredible um, description of how God's word is used in our lives. What's interesting, interesting about David, he didn't have the, the books that we have today. Do you know what he had? He had the Pentateuch, which is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, and Numbers. That's what David had. And maybe he had Joshua. Uh, some, some think he had Joshua available at that time. That's all he had. But what does he say about the word of God? Look at what he says in, in verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. I mean, that's what God's word does. And when's the last time you read Leviticus and said, oh, this is reviving my soul. Oh, my goodness, this is awesome. Give me some more. No, but, but see, David had a proper understanding of the word of God that the, the stories of, of Genesis and creation and, and, and these, these guidelines and these, these, these ways to live your life, it revives your soul. And folks, that's what God's word does. He's given us, we have a greater picture because we're further along in the story of man than David was. And so we get to have more of God's word and more of his instruction for our lives. And, and, and I pray that we understand that God's word revives our soul. Look what else he says. It, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. That when God speaks, when God gives a testimony, you can count on it. That's why when, when I sit with people who are about to go to heaven, and, and there, I had a lady ask me just last week, she said, Chris, she's about to go be with the Lord. And she said, Chris, what am I going to see the second I draw my last breath? And I said, well, let's go to the Bible. Let's look at what God's Word says. And, and we went through John 14. We went through when Christ was on the cross and spoke to the thief and, and said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Uh, we went through the, the 1 Corinthians 15 that, that there's no sting in death as a believer. Why? Because the testimony of the Lord is sure certain. You can trust it. You can count on it. Look at this. It says, the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. What are the precepts? It's the guidelines. It's the, it's the direction. They are right. They're the right way to live. And what that does is it rejoices your heart. And maybe, maybe we're not, we don't have a heart of rejoicing because we're not following the precepts God's laid out. Isn't that how it happens most of the time? We, we struggle in life because we don't follow God's word. I, I was talking to a young man who's starting ministry the other, uh, this week, and, and he's praying about being a pastor. And we're just talking about following the Lord. And I said to him, I said, you know what? I have spent uh, my whole life, since 15, God called me to preach at 15. And I said, all right, that's what I'm going to do. I've not turned back since. I just turned my face to that. And all, since I was 15 years old, I've met a lot of people that have said to me, Chris, I have not done what God's word says, and I regret it. But do you know that in all those years, I have not had one person say to me, Chris, I've followed Christ, I've done what his word said, I've put it into practice, and I wish I wouldn't have. Not one person. Why? Because the precepts of the Lord are right. And, and look at this, the um, um, the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. When you know what God's word says, it'll lighten your eyes. It'll give you wisdom. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. Fear of the Lord is, is not being afraid of God. It's honoring the Lord. It's respecting him. It's paying attention to his voice. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether, that, that God has given us guidelines to follow. And I love that. Um, and then he says, um, verse 10, 
More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. And this week I've asked the Lord, God, do I, do I see your word like that? Do I see it more desirable than gold? Do I see it like he says, um, it's sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. God, is your word that sweet to me? Uh, Verse 11, moreover, by them your servant is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. And folks, that is a blessing. All through scripture, God warns us. God says, hey, look, follow Christ, go this way. You know, I've been giving Brad a hard time because... uh, Brad Ayler, his daughter starts uh, driver's ed this week. And, uh, and I was like, ha-ha, welcome to prayer life right here, buddy. And, uh, and, and, you know, what do they teach them at driver's ed? They teach them, look, there are warning signs that you should pay attention to. When you see a yield sign, that means yield. When you see a stop sign, stop, right? Well, God's word is, warns us. It says stop, but so often we, we neglect it. We, we don't look to it. And, and I think about, you know, the reason a lot of our church folks, people that are in our church, don't look much different from the world. Our, prob- our divorce rate in the church is just like the divorce rate in the world. Why? Because in our marriages, we don't look to the Word of God. We don't see the Word of God like this. And we need to. You know, I think about what God does in his word. I mean, how he uses his word. Are are you reading it? Are are you meditating on it? Are you memorizing God's word? Are you you turning your attention to God's word? Are Are you reading it to your children, parents, grandparents? Are you reading it to them? I'm so grateful for my in-laws. This week was cousin camp at our in our family. All the grandkids went to their house, and, and it's awesome as a parent to say, see ya, you know. Well, actually, we're sad about that. Our kids are teenagers, and so they don't ever come home anyway. But, um, but you know, they were teaching them the Bible. I love that. You know, I can remember when Eric was little. I mean, I, I struggled with it. I was like, I got into, we were watching VeggieTales. Or, I don't know if VeggieTales are still important or still popular I don't know but they were popular when my kids were young and and they would tell these bible stories in different ways and and they were fine they were fun and they were cute and we still remember some of the songs but 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 we were like you know we don't want we want them to know the real story so I I remember Eric was little and Emily was little and and we're I'm going to bed and I'm like okay we're going to read the Word of God to them. And, and uh, I said, we was David and Goliath. That was what was up. And so I was reading the whole story. I said, I'm not holding anything back. And so Eric and Emily are on the bed. I'm reading David and Goliath to them. And I, I got to the part where he said, yeah, David cut off his head and carried it around on a stick. And Eric was like, ooh, that's kind of gross, Dad. I was like, yeah, I know, but that's what it says. So we're going we're gonna to follow it, you know. And, uh, you know, but God's Word is good for us. We, we need to have a higher view of the Word of God. And it's my prayer that we see this. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all Scripture is God-breathed. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And see, I want us to recognize the power of the Word of God. But here's, the, here's a prevailing thought in our culture. 
as we become more and more modern, we're like, oh, we don't believe in God anymore. We know, we believe in science. Or, you know, um, you know, plus, if you heard this argument, the Bible was just a collection of books determined by men. Men put that together in, in all these councils. That's why, why, why we can't trust the 66 books that we have here. Do you know that you can? And do you know that you should be a believer that knows how to answer that question? You need to, you need to rub shoulders and recognize and learn about how we got the books that we have. You know, have you studied that? Can I, can I give you a couple of books that you ought to get uh, just to, uh, to think about? Uh, uh, to, to, it'll help you answer that question. How did we get the books we have and can we trust them? There, there's a book called, this is beefy, you ought to have it anyway. It's called Systematic Theology by a guy named Wayne Grudem. Uh, G-R-U-D-E-M is his last name. Systematic Theology, it's about that thick. Okay, but there's a section in there that talks about how we got the, the, the canon. Have you heard that term, the canon of Scripture? And uh, the canon means rule or measuring rod. And, and this is called the canon of Scripture. And, and Wayne Grudem's Systematic Theology has a great section on there about how we got the Word of God. There's another book called, um, that, that is a better a Reader's Digest version, uh, but another book that you ought to have called New Evidence That Demands a Verdict by a guy named Josh McDowell. His son, Sean McDowell, has been at our church, but he wrote New Evidence That Demands a Verdict. He had an old book, Evidence That Demands a Verdict, but he updated it, and so you ought to just skip the old one and get the new because it's updated. It's got all the old stuff in it. But, but he articulates how we can trust the canon. And I want to give you real quickly what Josh McDowell said because I, I think it made sense. He said, um, the incorrect view of the canon is this. Well, first of all, let me, let me back up before I, I give you the, what Josh McDowell said. Let me tell you how, the, new, how the, the people that were a part of these councils, what they used to decide which books were going in. Because a lot of people will say, you know, the, the, the Bible was assembled by men. But let me tell you how these councils, there were seven of them, what they used to determine whether or not a book was going to be included in the New Testament. The Old Testament, that canon was established way before the time of Christ. The New Testament came along in about 346, I believe, was the first council that got together and said, let's put a group of books together called the New Testament. And a lost world says, see, that wasn't even clear, close to the time of Christ. But let me tell you the three things these men used to gauge. First one was this, was were there clear connections to the apostles? Who are the apostles? Peter, James, John, all the disciples, the men that saw Jesus. And what they did is they said, look, those were books that were connected to them, so they were included. Because they were close enough in history to the time of Christ that they could say, look, we know what they were saying. That was connected to the apostles. The second one that they used, second criteria they used to gauge whether or not this book, the books that we have in the New Testament should be included, they, they, they said, are they consistent? Is the teaching consistent? Because God never contradicts his word. There were some books that were excluded because the teaching was inconsistent. A third criteria that they used to determine whether or not the Bible, 
that these books were included were the fact, did the early church study these books? And see, they were close enough to the time of the early church, they could recognize the early church acknowledged the books we have in our New Testament, so we should too. Now, here's, the, here's what Josh McDowell said. An incorrect view of the canon is this, that the church determined the canon. That's incorrect. The church didn't determine that. The correct view of the canon is the church discovered the canon. He said the incorrect view is the church is the mother of the canon. The correct view of the canon is the church is the child of the canon. The incorrect view is the church is the magistrate of the canon. The the correct view is the church is the minister of the canon. The incorrect view is the church is the regulator of the canon. The correct view is the church is the recognizer of the canon. He said the incorrect view is the church is the judge of the canon. The correct view is the church is the witness of the canon. And I love this. He says the incorrect view is the church is the master of the canon. See, that's what a lost world says. They said us Christians, we're manipulative and we are the masters of this book. No, the church is the servant of the canon. And that's what we are. That's who we are. Folks, here's what I want you to know in this point. As David articulates what God's word does, that, that you can trust the books of this canon. You can trust them. You, you can trust the copy of this canon. And, and I love what's going on right now with the Museum of the Bible. And, and, and this is going to be something that all of us need to go visit in Washington, D.C. at some point. It opens this fall. And you've probably seen on the news this week how Hobby Lobby has gotten some criticism. And, and, and guess what? Uh, that's what a lost world is going to do. You don't think that a lost world is going to criticize someone making a museum of the Bible? You think Satan's excited about that? Heck no, he's not excited about that. He's going to do all kinds of things to throw up things, but guess what? God's word's going to prevail. And I love it that there's a museum being built in Washington, D.C. that's going to point a world to the fact that the Bible has powerfully impacted history. And, And I love that. You can trust the copy of the canon. But you know what else? As we see what David said, you can trust the message of this canon. Folks, we can trust it. And I pray we see that. But but let's look real quickly as we wrap up today. Let's look at David's response to God speaking. These two books that God has written. The reason I call it this sermon, these two books, is, is that God wrote a book of creation. And we see it every day as the sun rises and, and as we see the, the, the stars in the sky and how, how vast the universe is. And God took the time to write a really big book called This World. And, the, and we adva- have these advanced telescopes and, and we look out into the galaxies and the universe and all we keep saying is, wow, this is really big. This is really vast. And God is speaking through that, saying, look, I made this for you. And we worship him. God wrote this other book called His Word, and and miraculously He has preserved it, and He has given it to us, and we're to follow it and live by it. And David's response here, look what he says. After he sees these two books, he says, who can discern his errors? Lord, I have so many errors in my life. 
Lord, help me with all the errors that I make. Then he says, declare me innocent from hidden faults. I have faults that I'm trying to hide from you, Lord. Don't we all have faults we're trying to hide? And folks, we got to not do that. And David's like, Lord, I acknowledge my hidden faults. That David says, I even have faults that, that I don't even know I have. Lord, help me. Declare me innocent. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. I love this how David's like, look, Lord, there are times I'm just going to disobey you. Help these sins not rule over me. And he says, then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. In verse 14, boy, this is something. Can I, can I challenge us to memorize this verse this week, Psalm 1914? And, and can, can I challenge you every morning when you get up to get up and say, Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, my Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I mean, what if we, that, that's every day of our lives for us to start every day saying, Lord, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Oh, that's something to pray. What a beautiful psalm and poem that David wrote. Lord, may those words be pleasing in your sight. And when I look at David, what he's doing here, he's, 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 he's showing us that, that the point number three today is the only possible response to these two books that God has written is complete devotion. That's the only response. As David says, God, I will be completely devoted to you. I will be completely surrendered to you. And what, what does that look like? You see this growing hatred of sin in David's heart. And this is what I pray we embrace. God, help us hate sin. So often we want to see how close to sin we can get. But, but when you look at someone that is completely devoted to God, I'm praying in my own life, Lord, help me have a hatred of sin. And you see this. There, there's, a, there's an intentional development of discipline here. Lord, may, may this not rule over me. May sin not have dominion over me. And, and this is why I pray we are a group of people that are pushing one another to be disciplined followers of Christ. And then you see this, and we see this in the heart of David, this consistent realignment of our life back to Jesus. And that's where we started today. Lord, help me realign my heart. Can I ask you, are you aligned with the Lord? Are you, are you like Angelica on Friday? You've not trusted Christ as your Savior? You know, you could do that today. Do you know the second that Angelica trusted Christ as her Savior, her sins were washed away, and she was promised eternal life? And her eternal destiny completely changed, sitting in her garage. Jesus could change you. He's who you're looking for. You'll never know peace without him. And in this life, you will continually stumble. And in this, when this life is over, you'll be devastated. Come to Jesus. Maybe you know Jesus, but you've not been aligned. Realign your heart to him. I want you to stand right where you are. And we're going to have an invitation and Chad's going to come out, and we're going to sing together. 
And as, as we worship, would you take this moment to realign your heart? If you need Jesus, you can come down and talk to one of us. We'll, we'll take God's word and help you. Can I, can, I pray, can I challenge all of us to be a people that say, God, we will listen to you, we'll obey you, we'll read the books that you've given us, we'll stop this week and look into you for what you've made. We'll open his word and live by it.